Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. As we always do, would you turn in your Bibles to the 18th chapter of the book of Isaiah? That's what we've come to do, and we'll continue a while doing it virtually in a study that I've entitled The Land of What? Interesting beginning to this very small chapter, just seven verses. And so we'll take the entire chapter together. Verse 1, Isaiah 18, Woe to the land shadowed with buzzing wings which is beyond the rivers of Ethiopia. And the original Hebrew there, which is beyond, is really is the outer lands of Ethiopia, which sends ambassadors by the sea, even vessels of reed on the water, saying, go, swift messengers to a nation, tall and smooth of skin, to a people terrible from their beginning onward, a nation powerful and treading down, whose land and river, the rivers divide, all the inhabitants of the world, the dwellers of the earth. When he lifts up a banner on the mountains, you see it. When he blows a trumpet, you hear it. For the Lord said to me, I will take my rest and I will look from my dwelling place like the clear heat or that desert shimmer on a highway when it's extremely hot, like the clear heat and sunshine, like the cloud of dew and the heat of harvest. Before the harvest, when the bud is perfect, when the sour grape is ripening in the flower, he will both cut off the sprigs with the pruning hooks and take away and cut down the branches. They'll be left together for the mountain birds of prey and for the beasts of the earth. The birds of prey will summer on them and the beasts of the earth will winter on them. And in that time, a present will be brought to the Lord of hosts from a people tall and smooth of skin, from a people terrible in their beginning onward, a nation powerful and treading down, whose land of rivers the rivers divide to a place of the name of the Lord of hosts, to Mount Zion. Lord, bless the reading of his word to our hearts and to our minds. And as you read this passage, this is one of those chapters that I often get engaged with people uh, that they claimed they see the United States of America here in chapter 18. And frankly, not only is that a stretch, it's really poor exegesis. And they usually will say things like, well, you can see the, the wings and it's got to be the American eagle. And, you know, these people were terrible from their beginning and they equate, you know, all kinds of things to the United States of America and they say all manner of crazy things. The only problem is when you actually read this text, you can tell that this is not only speaking about Cush or Ethiopia or what was known then as Nubia and still known to some people as Nubia and Nubian people, uh, that if you look at this passage and you just simply read it for what it says, um, there are very few countries, especially in our day and time, and certainly not not uh, any time in the last, you know, maybe two or three hundred years, unless you happen to be Thor Heyerdahl and you built a reed boat back in the 1970s and decided to sail it across the, the sea. And we have, you know, all kinds of people that have said, well, you know, it just has to be the United States. 
It's wishful thinking. This particular prophecy speaks of Cush. It speaks of Ethiopia, and it speaks of a smooth-skinned people, and that doesn't mean that they're Anglo-white Europeans. Uh, If you know anything about the Nubian people, they are very smooth-skinned people. Uh, They're very powerful people, and they were quite industrious people as well. And so I believe this is simply speaking of the exact same people that Ezekiel 30 and 38 speak of, Nahum chapter 3 speak of. This is speaking uh, of, of the Ethiopian people, specifically the southern Ethiopian people that live in the general vicinity uh, of the point of origin of the River Nile. And, and so as we look at this, what you really see is the Jewish people, the nation Israel, again trying to turn to someone else to make an alliance, to make an allegiance to end up in a place where they don't need God, but they can turn to the world for their counsel. This has never been a good thing, and it remains a bad thing to this day. As as people read this passage, they try and interject uh, this, this crazy thought that this is speaking of the United States. What they're missing is the main point. And the main point of this is God wants us to trust in him. That's what we've been doing during this pandemic. We've been leaning on the Lord. We've been seeking the face of the almighty God. We've been crying out to the one that held Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob together and who holds the entire universe together to this day. And so the word to us might be the word that was spoken then, and it might be even a word for for today and and. This is the danger of trusting in anything other than the Lord. And for Israel, this has been their major difficulty. When you read the books of Kings and Chronicles, the history of the children of Israel, when you realize what they've been through, they they were assailed by Assyria, which is happening during Isaiah's time. They would then be taken into captivity by Babylon. They would be further oppressed by the Romans, and they would continually try and make allegiances and alliances with the world. They would try and turn away from the Lord and towards the world. They would try and do things the world's way uh, all the way until our day and time. And so Israel today is still struggling with the same basic problem. Instead of turning to the Lord, instead of understanding the fullness of the things of the Lord, instead of looking at the Lord and his face alone, instead of getting their counsel from the Lord, they attempt to get their counsel from the world. And one of the reasons that we have the mess in the Middle East that we have right now is for this reason. The land that Israel occupies is the land that God gave them, that the book of Joel declares is theirs, that the Abrahamic covenant declares is there, that was promised to them, And they now occupy it, and they're looking, rather than keeping it because it was promised to them and turning to the Lord, they're they're attempting to have a peace plan. And all that peace plan has, has bought them is continued conflict. And that's not to put all the blame on the Palestinians. That's not to put all the blame on the Egyptians, which we'll study next. It's to simply say, when God has asked us to trust him, he wants us to trust him. 
for Israel, if you travel there today, there's no more land to give away. When you travel through the city of Jerusalem, there's this gigantic 35-foot-tall retaining wall that divides East Jerusalem from West Jerusalem, from Jerusalem controlled by the PLO and Jerusalem controlled loosely by Israel. And even in the midst of that, the Temple Mount itself is controlled by the Hashemite kingdom of Jordan. And so Israel then and Israel now is still suffering from the same problem. And I think a lot of Christians are doing the same thing. We look at the Temple Mount and we say, well, why can't we just make a peace plan with everyone that'll make everyone happy? Because not everyone follows the Lord. And as God's people today, we need to follow the Lord. Israel was to be a picture of what that looked like. Trusting the Lord, seeking his face. And instead, what you find today is they're trying to appease all of these Arab nations, which they will never be able to appease because their stated goal is to push Israel into the Mediterranean Sea and to cease them, uh, cause them to cease to be, from being a country. When God says, I want you to trust me, no matter what it looks like, whether it's Israel with their neighbors that do not like them, or whether it's you tonight facing this pandemic, God has asked us, ask you, ask me to trust him. And he means that. He is our strength. He's our shield. He alone is our strong tower. Our allegiances and our alliances with the world, just like the children of Israel are understanding right now for all of this incredible work that's been done for these various peace plans in the Middle East, the reason that none of them has worked these are on two different pages. You have one nation whose God is the Lord, Yahweh, Lord of hosts. The same God that was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the God of Israel today. But instead of acknowledging God, they turned their back, they've become secular. And many Christians today, instead of turning towards the Lord, turn towards the world. And so much like the Jewish people who today, all they have left is these 13 rows of Herod's retaining wall of the temple mount that they worship at as an open-air synagogue. Many Christians have so little left of their walk that they're no longer even near the Lord. They have to go visit him someplace else. The Lord is our shield. The Lord is our strong tower. The Lord is our strength. The Lord will not leave us nor forsake us. It is the Lord that we serve, and it is the Lord that we should be turning to. We should never, church, we should never, ever, ever align ourselves with the evil of this world. We should be very concerned. One of the reasons that we've had patience during this time is the Bible is very clear there in Romans 13. It's clear in 1 Peter 2, 1 Timothy chapter. It's clear that we need to pray for our leaders. But it's also clear that we should be holy as he is holy. We should be righteous because we serve a righteous God. We should attend unto the things of God. 
because he's tasked us with being his representative, bearing the light of the world into this world that we live in. It's one of the reasons we're so concerned with regathering our ability to meet together. There are things that we cannot do virtually that we can do when we're together. And while this has been meaningful, purposeful, and certainly well-intentioned, the church has been asked to meet together, not forsake that. You see, we need to not align ourselves with the things of this world. And so Isaiah gives the children of Israel a warning. He says, woe to the land. He says, look, you, you may think that this land offers you protection. And perhaps tonight you may think that your bank account offers you protection. You, you may think that your intellect offers you protection from the world. Now, the only one that can offer you protection from this world is the Lord of hosts, the King of Kings, the great I am. And so we need to turn to him in times of crisis. The children of Israel did not do that. They turned almost everywhere but to the Lord. And they have paid a deep and lasting price for that. To this day, as the Apostle Paul said, blindness in part has come upon the nation Israel until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled, until the gospel has been preached, until the end of days actually comes. These boats that are coming down the River Nile in this passage of Scripture from Ethiopia, there were boats of bulrushes or reeds. They're so light they could get through the handful of rapids that are on the top 1,000 miles of the Nile River as it heads towards the Mediterranean. And so here come these ambassadors. And basically the people are saying, look, we, we want to make an alliance. I mean, if these guys can make it down the Nile and come all the way here from Nubia, Certainly they're powerful. We need to trust in them. And Isaiah is saying exactly, obviously, don't make a covenant with them. Make a covenant with God. That was the problem. The children of Israel made a covenant with God in the wilderness, and they said, what you have asked of us, God, we will do. When I said yes to Jesus, I said yes to his lordship. I did not just simply say yes to him being my savior. He is also my Lord. That means he's the one that pilots the boat. He's the one that drives the car. I'm the passenger. I, I don't want to be as the nation Israel would be because Assyria was coming and it was not going to be good. It was going to be very bad for them. I don't want to be in that position. I don't want the church in that position. I don't want our state in that position. I don't want our city in that position. I do not want this church in that position. And so when the temptation comes to turn towards the world, we need to turn towards the Lord and be faithful. The nation Israel was sick, but it was not beyond recovery. Our nation is sick but it's not beyond recovery. And I'm not just speaking of COVID-19. I'm speaking of the sickness of sin. We have turned to false gods. We're serving all kinds of false gods. But God is faithful in the midst of our, our idolatry towards the things of this world. And so we need to ask ourselves some simple questions. I need to ask myself, 
some questions. Am I being faithful to God? Is God my number one priority? It may not seem like God is in control right now. It did not seem like God was in control for Israel either. But they're going to find out very, very shortly that he is the God to Mount Zion. He's the God of heaven and earth. And in their foolishness and in their hearts, they would continue to make all kinds of allegiances and alliances. If you read the book of 1 Kings, it's mind-boggling exactly what they would do and where they would go and who they would turn to. They turned to the Assyrians. They turned to the Egyptians. They turned to the Hittites, the Moabites. They were afraid of the inhabitants of Gath. And every time something would come up, instead of turning to the Lord, they would turn away from him. In these last two chapters, we see this central theme that, that God's always faithful. God's people, the faithful part of them, were never taken by the Assyrians. It was the unfaithful people that were taken. The faithful ones in Judah were never taken. You see, as we look at this passage, God's still El Shaddai. He's the mighty one. He still controls the armies of heaven and earth, just as we saw back in chapter 17. He's still the Lord God of Israel. He's the Lord God of America. He's our maker. He's the Holy One of Israel. He's the God of our salvation. He's our rock. He's our strength. And so what are we doing acting like Jeroboam who builds altars to false gods to kind of hedge his bets? He sets one up at Bethel. And just in case that doesn't work out, he sets another one up at Dan, one of the places that we visit on our tours to Israel. This is the altar of Jeroboam. It's mentioned there in First Kings. The shrines, the high places. And to sit there and realize that God had delivered them over and over and over and over again, but they built an altar to Baal. Church. We need to be faithful to God. He's faithful to us. There is a tremendous danger to worshiping the false gods of this world. There's a tremendous danger that they faced during this time as Assyria is marching from the north to the south. They could hear the drum beats. You can probably hear the drum beats of our society right now. God, you don't want to be involved in that church thing. I mean, you've done without it for 10 weeks now. Why do you even need to go to church? Why do you need to listen to that crazy old guy that all he says is the Bible's true, the Bible's true. You see, the drum beats of the Assyrians are just a little different drum. But the problems are still the same. And that's worshiping a God of our own making a God of a dirty altar, the God of this world. Now you're saying, well, I don't worship any false. Well, 
What about some of these gods that we do see people worship? The God of pride, self-satisfaction, self-glory. The God of pleasure, the God of wealth. The God of politics. The God of racism. God of sexuality. Maybe the God of scientific achievement. You see, anything that leaves God out of the equation is a false God. Because he's the top of the equation. He's always the supreme factor in everything. The God of moral relativism has swept over our land. Even the God of church. There are people, and I hate to say this, that worship church but don't worship God that know how to go to church, but don't know the Lord Jesus. I want you to know something. God is always worthy of our worship. And he is always the answer to everything. And so maybe tonight you're kind of feeling after my addressing of this issue to our governor, to the board of supervisors. You say, well, you know, they're not going to do anything. Let me, let me be blunt with you. They're not going to do anything because I said so. But our God is still faithful and he is still able. And it is he, Proverbs says, turns the hearts of kings. It is he who's the God of heaven and earth. It is he who's the great I am. And we mere humans are the great we are not. Don't forget that. You see, unlike human beings, God never has panic attacks. He doesn't freak out when bad things happen. He doesn't run around screaming and yelling. He doesn't look at the situation and go, oh no, what do I do now? He's never in a hurry. He's never late. He's never early. He's always on time. And by the time we get to chapter 37, we're going to see that though it looked like, Judah would also be wiped out. God has a plan. He's going to deliver the nation Israel at the very last moment. And so as we look at this passage in our time in which we live, which I believe is very close to the last days. We talk about this COVID-19 pandemic and, you know, is it one of the signs of the end? I don't know. I know what Jesus said, that there would be famine and pestilence. There would be wars and rumors of wars. And then the end will come. So maybe... That just means to me that now is the time for us to trust the Lord. That means as in this passage, just as the book of Revelation declares to to us that the grapes are ripe, that the birds that will feed on the flesh may already be in the air. I, I don't know when that time is coming. But I know instead of rushing here and there and making diplomatic plans with the Cushites and with those who lived in the land that we would call Ethiopia, King Hezekiah had a plan. 
And that plan included crying out to heaven. He didn't run around seeing who was doing what. He cried out to heaven and the Lord sent an angel to cut down every mighty man of valor and leader and the captain of the camp of the Assyrians. That was Hezekiah's plan. Cry out to the Lord. You can read about that in 2 Chronicles 32. Church, God's got this. He has not failed us. He will not fail us. And he will never leave us nor forsake us, says the Lord. You have his word on that. You don't have to trust me. You can trust God on what he's promised. And you're going to find out that he was faithful. That he is more than able to deliver us. And he is more than able to deliver Israel. And so let's trust him. Let's be warriors in prayer. Let's have happened to us what happened to great King Hezekiah. And thus the Lord saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, and the hand of all the others and guided them on every side. And many brought gifts to Jerusalem and presents to Hezekiah, king of Judah, so that he was exalted in the sight of all nations. When we do what God asks, then he will lift us up. He will be our strength. Amen. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you. We bless you, God of heaven, Lord of heaven and earth, creator, majestic one, author of life. We honor you for who you are. We declare you to be king. We declare you to be the one who can find the cure to this disease. We declare you to be the one who can cure the social ills and the financial woes. We declare you, Lord, in our own lives and over us. And so, God, we ask you to bless us, anoint us for this time, give us patience and purpose to follow you all of the days of our lives. Would we be faithful to you as you have been faithful to us? In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.